0: amen great is thy faithfulness oh god our father that that line comes from lamentations the middle of this book about all the horrible things that are happening and yet the prophet says great is thy faithfulness praise god let's bow in prayer before the lord this morning father we come before you today and we thank you for your word and the power it has to change lives and we pray lord that today as we look into your word that uh, we would uh, we be like people looking into a mirror and seeing ourselves. And seeing ourselves, we would discover that you would have us be different. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to then process that and be different. And so I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me as I speak your word. May it be spoken in power and in truth, and may it be received, Lord, as your word uh, spoken from your lips. And so, Father, we pray that it would it would be. We would be spurred on by the Holy Spirit to be obedient to Your Word this morning, for we ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning we're looking at uh, First Peter chapter five, and um, we're looking at verses. We're only looking at two verses: verse five and six. And uh, so, chapter uh, first, Peter five, verse uh, five and six. Booker T. Washington was uh, an educator, uh, lived quite a while ago, but uh, he uh, he was an orator, uh, a, a author, an author, and an advisor to multiple U.S. presidents. And uh, he was an outstanding example of a man of humility. Uh, you see, one day he was walking uh, through a kind of a exclusive neighborhood near his house. And, uh, and this white woman uh, saw him walking down the street and called out to him, Hey, mister, uh, would you like to earn a few dollars? I've got some wood that needs chopping. Now, this was not long after slavery. In fact, uh, Brook Booker was born a slave. And here was this white woman asking this black man to go and chop wood. Kind of a reminder of where he'd come from. Uh, and yet... The president of the Tuscany Institute rolled up his sleeves, grabbed the axe, and started chopping wood for the lady and uh, stacked it up in her living room uh, next to her fireplace. And when he did that, uh, a young lady that was in, uh, in this, this other lady's home recognized uh, him as the, uh, the, the leader of the Tuscany Institute, uh, the great man himself. And she was like, Whoa, whoa, you know, and she told the lady of the house. You know who who just cut your wood right and she's like, no, uh, that's Booker T washington he's the, he's the president of the Tuscany Institute just down the street and uh, and she, this woman's all flabbergasted and embarrassed, and she goes into the Tuscany uh, uh, Institute and uh, the next day and uh, apologizes profu- profu- profusely uh, to uh, P- Professor Washington and uh and he he replies oh it's perfectly all right ma'am i occasionally i don't mind doing some manual labor and i certainly don't mind helping out a friend and he just kind of just made little of this whole incident and uh she was quite impressed and it wasn't long later that uh, funds started rolling in from her and her friends to the tuscany institute Uh, just because she was so impressed with this man and his humility. But what about you and I? What happens when we are misappraised, when someone thinks of us in a lowly way and completely ignores all of our achievements and all of our abilities and our status, you know, uh, I mean, this has happened to me on occasion. You know, people don't know that I'm the senior pastor. They think that I'm the janitor. Or they think that I'm the, the lawnmower guy or whatever. And uh, what happens when that happens? Like, what do you do? Hey, hey you know I'm the pastor here? Yep, you know. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I don't do that. So, <laughs> What do you do when someone uh, demeans you without giving you any recognition of who you really are? Or what if if you're mistreated and uh, they don't know who you are? Well, however we respond to those things will show whether we're humble or whether we're proud. And you know, there's something even more dangerous than being misappraised. And that's when someone actually praises you that's when it when you really find out whether or not you are humble or whether you're proud Um, Winston Churchill was once asked doesn't it thrill you to know that every time you make a speech the hall is packed to overflowing and uh, Churchill responded well it's, it's quite flattering yes but whatever whenever I feel that way I always remember that if instead of making a political speech I was being hanged, the crowds would be even bigger, <laughs> so, so yeah, I know what it feels like to be praised, I've been given praise, and sometimes it's really hard to respond, it's like, you know, people, oh, pastor, that was a great sermon, it touched my heart, you know, and you're like, well, praise God that he gave me the words to say, uh, but I'm just, Uh, his humble servant i'm doing what i'm called to do and it's just one task and i i don't feel like i can take any credit for a good sermon or for a good leadership of the church christ brings out those things in us christ does that work in us and then people end up saying oh wow you're so humble pastor oh you know and then you're like ah so, it's hard to take a compliment and still be humble. That's all I'm saying. So, this morning we're going to be looking at what, what Peter... Uh, Peter's going to guide our thoughts as we look at uh, chapter 5, verse 5 and 7. And it says there, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but He shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. So the first thing we notice about this passage is that it says in the same way. And this kind of connects this passage to all of the rest of the the book of 1 Peter. Because he's already said in the same way twice before. Uh, He says in the same way, uh, wives, be submissive unto your husbands. In the same way, husbands, be considerate towards your wife. What is the same way? What's he talking about? Well, actually, almost always he's referring back to, to this idea of humility and of of being uh submitting to someone greater it's very hard to be humble or, or to submit if you're proud if you think you know better than the other person you don't want to submit you you want to do it your own way but when we have humility we submit and so uh, peter's is described has and we've been talking about this all summer the way peter describes uh, that we need to submit even to the authority of the governors or even to uh, an emperor, even an e- evil emperor like Nero, um, in the same way we need to su- uh, s- uh, slaves need to submit to their their bosses, their masters, and so uh, as if we 're employed, we need to submit to the person who employs us. Uh, wives ought to submit to their husbands uh, and and so, in exactly the same way as that. Submission to authority, submission to slave drivers. We need to submit the young people, it says, submit uh, submit yourselves to your elders. So, last week the message was particularly to the elders. Today it's particularly to the young people, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Those who are younger among you should submit. Notice that also it's a voluntary submission. This isn't uh, this isn't a a brought on hard submission. No, this is if you're younger and you know there's elders in the church and elderly people, we're to be submissive to them. Uh, The word elder can be both the person responsible for the church, or it could also infer that it's someone who is elderly, uh, older than you are. so what's one thing one thing about youth and i remember very distinctly being a teenager and one thing i remember about being a teenager is that i thought i knew better than everyone else (laughs) i was definitely knew a lot more about music and about uh, the way the world worked than my parents did i mean my parents they 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 weren't educated. My dad had a grade 3 education. My mom had a grade 5 education. I mean, they dropped out of elementary school. What did they know? And so I knew better than them for sure. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, I don't even know how to read my own sermon. So (laughs) where was I? And so young people today... They, they're the same way. They think of us older people. They think, oh, you're, you're out of touch with reality. You don't even know what Instagram is, let alone how to use it. You have no idea what a tweet is, nor have you ever made one. Uh, I mean, you're just out there. You're, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, and so it's easy to fall into that category. And yet, the Bible says, submit yourselves to your elders which includes parents and elders in the church. But guess what? We need to do it the same way, for the same reasons that we've been talking about all summer. Because Jesus Christ calls you to do it. That's why. Not because your parents are right, or your elders are right, or your emperor is right, or your boss is right. It's because Christ calls us into the way of humility. That's why we do it. So, um, now last week, I talked about how uh, elders need to uh, govern well and and shepherd the sheep and be responsible uh, leaders in the church. And um, so what we recognize is if if Peter is calling the young people to to obey their elders and to listen to them, then he's first told the elders how to behave themselves. And I think for any leader, a boss, uh, a governor a pastor, an elder in a church. We need to be the example of a servant leader so that people have an easy time following our lead. So Peter doesn't let off us off the hook, those of us who are older. And I have to start calling myself older because I just had a birthday. And so <laughs> uh, it was a big one. So I'll let you guess which one. But I feel old now. <laughs> uh And so Peter points us down this road, and to submission. But he gives us the key in this passage, and the key to submission is humility. We need to understand. We need to consider ourselves in low regard. Uh, That's really what humility means. It means considering yourself lowly. Uh, today in the church and in the world there is a crisis of unity we have churches splitting from one another we have denominations breaking apart we have uh nations uh being in in rebellion against uh rulers and splitting apart and and there's a crisis going on there's no unity because every man sees himself as his own captain we live in a democracy that says, hey, there's something wrong with the government. It always is saying there's something wrong with the government so that we can change it and make it into a new government. That's, de- democracy kind of in- encourages that. And so we get used to pointing the finger at our, at our leaders. But the Bible tells us, no, be submissive to your leaders. Don't be pointing your finger at them all the time. Uh, and so that's a whole different mindset that we need to get into as a church today and so we all want to be chiefs and nobody wants to be the grunt we always want to be the captain but you know what happens when two headstrong people uh both want to be captain both want to be at the front well disaster strikes i mean this this is kind of like what happened to me yesterday you see i'm a i'm an impatient driver uh i'm I'm working on it okay and the lord is working on that with me it's getting better but yesterday it happened again you see when i when i get to a four-way stop i stop i wait for one car to go and then i go right now sometimes there's four cars at the intersection and i've only waited for one so i haven't waited my turn Now, I don't just floor it and go through the intersection and, you know, think I got a bigger car than you. Uh, No, I kind of just start rolling forward because I hate it when there's a delay. And sometimes when there's four cars there, people are like, you know, they're all waiting for each other. And everybody stops and nobody goes. And it just annoys me. So I just go. Um, Well, the the problem happens when there's somebody at the four-way stop who thinks exactly like I do. (laughs) So they wait for a car to go and then they go and then we go, and we're both, you know, inching forward and and waiting for the other, see if the other person's going to go. And, and we keep going until finally we're like right in the section, And finally, I usually just go, okay, go. You know, and I wave at them. But uh, it's easy not to back down. And you know what? Strong headed people don't like to back down. But that's why the Bible spends so much time challenging us with being humble. Because otherwise, disasters strike. Like in 1986 when disaster struck in the Black Black Sea. See, there was two, these two sea captains both in charge of these huge ships, uh, 17,000 ton each. Uh, they're going in the Black Sea. It's the middle of the night. But they're aware of the radar signals and they see that each other's out there and they start... I don't know. They phone each other, whatever, However, they used to, to talk to each other, and they say, hey, "I think you got to change your course, or we're going to hit." And the other captain says, "Oh, I think you should change your course, or we're going to hit. No, you should change your course. No, you should." And on and on it went until it was too late, and the two ships collided, and the, the freighter uh, carrying oats collided in, with this huge uh, uh, passenger liner. And the Admiral Nakhonvov, I think that's how you, I don't know how to pronounce it. This is it. The day, the day it was sunk, it was at dock here. This picture was taken and it nearly split the thing in half when it got hit by this, uh, this freighter. And, uh, and it sank in 15 minutes. Can you imagine? 400 people on this ship died that day. Why? Because two strong-headed people. Both both of the captains were charged I don't know whatever happened to them This is what happens when you have headstrong people When you're too proud when you think you should have the right of way But God calls for humility What does it mean to be humble one dictionary defines it as having or showing a sense of lowliness or inferiority. And that, uh, that is the same meaning as the Greek word for humility that's used throughout the Bible uh, in the New Testament. This idea of making oneself lowly in front of other people who are considered higher of a higher ability or, or state. Um, it also has this idea of of like leveling a hill. So when John the Baptist comes along and he talks about making every hill low it's the same kind of idea is that before the lord of lords when he comes we're supposed to make the 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 hills low uh and remember when when jesus said to the disciples hey when someone invites you to a feast make sure you take the lowly position so when you go to a uh uh uh, because otherwise you might you know the, the host might come along and say oh no th- this table is reserved for other people have you ever been to a wedding and you sat at the wrong table and you're, you're you're at the the head family table and, and someone comes along and says oh you you can't sit here you, you got it and you're like oh boy you know and you embarrassly walk away <laughs> you know allowed to be there That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you know what? You should sit at the very back so that when the bride and groom come, they go, hey, why are you sitting back here? Come on, sit up at the front here. Have a good seat, you know? Um, And and so it is. Jesus calls us to be humble, to consider ourselves lowly. Uh, F.B. Meyer once said, I used to think God's gifts were on shelves, kind of stacked one above the other. And as we grew up in the Lord, we would be able to access more and more gifts of God. But he says, but no, really, the, the, the shelves are stacked one beneath the other. And the lower we understand ourselves to be, the more access we have to the gifts of God. Okay, I didn't quite get it right, but there it is. Uh, so humility brings about conviction of sin. Did you know that nobody who who has who is pride is too is prideful will enter the kingdom of heaven? Only people of lowly spirit are able to get into the kingdom of heaven. And there's a very good reason for that. Uh, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven the poor in spirit if you don't have a a a poor spirit if you're not poor in spirit which basically means a meekness and a lowliness and a humility you won't get to the kingdom of heaven you won't make it There's a very good reason for that is is because you won't confess that you're sinful you won't confess that you need a savior that without jesus christ you're not going to make it to heaven and so you'll be too proud to do that and you'll think oh no I'm a good person. I'm sure God will accept me because, you know, I do good things for people and I've never done anything too too wicked. I mean, I've done an odd sin or two, but nothing, nothing compared to most people. I'm a pretty good person. Guess what? You're not going to make it to heaven because you haven't confessed that you are a sinner and not worthy of being brought to heaven, not worthy of a relationship with God. And unless we... Humble ourselves, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So humility is kind of like ground zero for for Christians. We have to go there, or we can't even be a believer. So let's go back to our passage. Um, notice that it's not just the young people that have ought to be are called to be humble. The young people are called to submit, but this idea that that we need to clothe ourselves with humility, that's for everybody because we all have somebody in authority over us. You know, you might think of, well, you're the senior pastor. Who's your authority? Well, I have Curtis. Uh, he's he's the, the district superintendent. The elders here actually are in authority over me. Uh, as an elders board, they could fire me or do or tell me off or whatever. Uh, I'm under their authority. We all have somebody we're under authority to. And there's no such thing as someone who doesn't need humility we need humility so that we can understand ourselves properly in the light of uh, submitting to other people and so peter gives some some reasons for uh for being humble for not being proud and so he points out that it's because of something and it's therefore do this and so there's some reasons and the reasons are the the number one reason is that that God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble that's a pretty good reason for being to be humble it's because God is going to oppose you if you're proud you know like like uh, Balaam when he went to was going to curse the Israelites and, and God opposed him He says, you know, and the angel opposed him and tried to and and stopped him. And his donkey crushed his foot, and uh, got into a big mess. But God was opposing him because he was too full of himself, and he thought he could curse a people when God didn't tell him to curse a people. And so God opposes the proud. You know, another another person whom God opposed was, was King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream uh, about a tree being chopped down, and, and Daniel interpreted the tree, the dream, and said, "Well, well King, you're, you're the tree. You're going to get chopped down because of the pride in your heart." And Nebuchadnezzar, you know, was pretty impressed with Daniel for, for speaking such a way. He didn't chop his head off like most kings would have, and Nebuchadnezzar had a habit of doing that. But he honored him. A year later, though. King Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the the walls of the palace. Now, you have to realize that Babylon at that time was the grandest, greatest city in the world. In fact, there are some who say it was probably the grandest city in the world ever before and ever after until maybe in the modern times when we have things that are a little grander. Uh, So that that means that this city was incredible. Not only was it an incredible fortress with huge walls, uh, 50 and 80 feet tall, and, and some even taller, and massive walls that you could ride two chariots abreast on top of, but it was beautiful. They had hanging gardens. It was incredible. Just incredible, the whole place. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is looking from the highest point in the city on his, and he's like, "Whoa, check it out! This is what I have made. I have initiated the architects. I have brought in all these people. I have conquered people and raised the money and and taken the money for myself and built this incredible city." And as he was thinking this, a voice spoke from heaven. And called him to account. And said today you will be cut down. And you will be sent out from among the people. And you will eat eat grass like an ox. And the dew of heaven will be upon him, upon you. And then Nebuchadnezzar lost his sanity. Why? Because God opposes the proud. And he became insane. And for seven years he was an outcast. His hair grew long, his fingernails grew long, his toenails grew long. He didn't care for himself, didn't bathe himself. He became a mess. Because God opposes the proud. So the next time you think of all the great things that you've done, watch out. God might stand in opposition to you and bring you down and humble you like he did with Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar, the story didn't end there. And Nebuchadnezzar said, he turned to God and he gave praises to God after seven years. And God lifted him up. God fulfilled the last part of the the verse, but shows grace and favor to the humble. And when King Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself and praised the God of heaven and said, the God of heaven does whatever he wants and, 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 and does all these different things. And God honored him again and put him back into place. And restored him. Because God doesn't just oppose the proud. He also shows favor to the humble. And at the right time, he lifts them up. Remember Abraham? Now, in Abraham's heart, he was a humble man. Abraham, when when his shepherds came into contention with his nephew's shepherds. And they were fighting over the land where to graze the sheep. Abraham said, you know what? I'm going to let you, Lot, have the first guest. Do you want to go that way over there or do you want to go over there? And wherever you go, I'll go the opposite direction so the shepherds won't fight all the time. And he gave his nephew first choice, which is unheard of in his day. You always give rank to the elder, to the, the more, the one who'd been around longer. And so Abraham's heart was one of humility. When uh, when his his servants defeated five kings, he didn't boast about it and say, oh, how great great an army he is, little 318 men were. No. He said, no, you know, I'm not going to take the spoils. Uh, Let's just divide the spoils amongst the other people. He was a humble man. And this is why the Bible says that God took... Uh, Father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him to Canaan and gave him many descendants. Because God is with those who are humble. Um, do you remember the the baby that was born a slave? We all probably know him as the guy who was put in the basket in the Nile River. You remember that guy? Oh yeah, his name was Moses. Well, the Bible says that Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Whoa. You see, when, when, his, when his authority was challenged by his brother and his sister, and they said, hey, God only speak through you. Doesn't he speak through us too? Moses just went, well, okay. Well, let's hear what you have to say. And they challenged him too about his Cushite wife. We're not sure if they challenged him because she wasn't a, a Jewish lady or because she was black. We're not sure. But they challenged him and he just stepped aside and he backed off. And God came in <laughs> and stood up for Moses. And God counteracted the challenge and actually gave Miriam leprosy because she challenged uh, Moses' authority. And so God is the one that lifts us up. When it says to, to turn over to God, because, put it in God's mighty hand, to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, it's really referring to this idea that God will lift us up. God will look after us. We don't need to boast about ourselves. We don't need to, to defend our rights to everybody. No, we put our rights in God's hands, and God comes along and defends us. Remember King David? He was the youngest in his family. Nobody even considered him uh, when, when the, the, uh, the prophet came to, uh, to, to anoint somebody. They didn't even consider david he was left out with the sheep yeah he's a shepherd boy but he was the one that god called why because god saw in him a heart after his own heart god saw a humble man in king david and he brought him to the throne and when he became the king he was still humble he was anointed king and when god brought the the king of israel into his hands, who was trying to kill David, David said, I won't raise my hand against him because he's the Lord's anointed. And then when his own son tried to take the throne from him, David again was humble. This is the kind of people God is for. God lifts up humble people. That's what God does. If you look at um, in the New Testament, you find the apostles. And who were they? Some great teachers, some great Israelites who had authority and wisdom. No. Half of them were fishermen. A couple of them were zealots. They were fighting against the Roman government. Uh, they, they were tax collectors. Two of them were tax collectors. <laughs> These are not the kind of people that you want in your cabinet, you know, as a leader. Farmers, fishermen, tax collectors. Ay, ay, ay. But that's the people that Jesus called because they were humble. You know what? One of of these people, Peter, when he first met Jesus, you know what he said? Oh, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. That's humility. You know what Paul said? Paul said, hey, I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm the least. And then a few years later, he went actually, you know what? I'm the least of all the saints. He he was growing downwards. He was seeing himself more and more humble. And you know what he said later? After he said, I'm the least of all the apostles, I'm the least of all the saints, he said, I'm the greatest of all the sinners. (laughs) He started to view himself in light of who God was. He started to understand himself in light of how much grace had been given to him. And he realized, whoa, compared to God, I'm such a wicked person. And God has given me so much grace. God raises these, uh, na- these people up. So now the apostles are like household names to us Mark and John and, and uh, Peter and James and Matthew. God raises them up. Now, I should say a word about pride and boasting. That's sort of the opposite. Uh, of, of humility. The Bible says, "Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day will bring." Pride and boasting kind of go hand in hand. You know, a, a neighbor on my block, he, he, whenever he sees me these days, the last few weeks, he's boasting about his work. You know, he's, hey, you know, he says, "Ah, I got, I got eighteen dollars an hour just to, just to fix up my neighbor's fence." And, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. And and later on, I I find that he's, he's boasting about his new job as a driveway sealer or something. And he's boasting about it. And I realize, you know, this isn't necessarily pride. This is a lack of acknowledgement. His mom and he, they don't get along. They fight all the time. Sometimes the cops are at his house. He doesn't have a dad. He's longing for recognition. He's dying for recognition. So the only way he can finally get recognition is, is by boasting about his life somehow. Something, something's going well for him. And I'm actually very happy for him because, because he's got a job. And I'm like, right on, he's doing better. But sometimes, actually, the people who, are, who seem the proudest, who seem like they, they're, they're the most boastful, they're actually trying to cover up for the fact that they haven't had very much acknowledgement. They feel small and they want to make themselves bigger. And they have a low self-esteem. But you know what? This is why the Christian doesn't boast. Because their self-esteem is wrapped up in their creator. Their self-esteem is wrapped up in the one who died for them. And what more do you need than that the, un- the, the ruler of the universe would die for you? for your self-esteem i mean whoa god died for me like wow i don't need any accolades i don't need any pats on the back god loves me it's incredible i'm his son i'm his daughter whatever you are god loves you and that's enough and so for the christian we don't boast about the things we did because actually in in reality we didn't do them paul says you you boast about the things as if you didn't get them as a gift but you got them as a gift from god so why are you boasting and this is the reality for the christian that they understand that every gift that we have every every talent we have every ability we have it's all a gift from god and so when we do well at something we give glory to god and we go like well actually you know that's God's gift to me and I give it now to you. And so we ought not to be boasting. Um, Paul Paul wrote, do not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but think of ourselves as sober or sound judgment. Uh, I love what uh, Tyrone Edwards said in the 19th century. He said, humility is more than having is more about having a realistic evaluation of our our condition. Pride is being weak and pitiful and believing otherwise. Humility is being weak and pitiful and knowing it. (laughs) We know that we're weak and pitiful. True humility is not an abject groveling or self-despising spirit. No. It's having the right estimate of who we are before God. The right estimate of who we are is that we are worthless worms. We are are horrible sinners. We don't deserve God's grace. But God has taken us and He's put us in the place of sons and daughters. And and given us a royal name and and given us a task alongside of Himself. We don't deserve to be there. We need to understand that we don't deserve to be there, but that's where we are. And so this gives us self-worth. It gives us value apart from what we do it's who we are it, we are the family of God and so we, there's this weird balance of knowing who we are so we're not groveling and self-loathing but we also recognize where we came from and we are who we are because of God's grace and so it, it's a balance it's a proper balance uh, Paul wrote to the Christian uh, oh I already said that verse <laughs> um, but you know what jesus said that we need to count ourselves as unworthy servants doing our job so it's really difficult to know what to say or do when someone comes up to me and says pastor that was a great sermon and i'm like well you know i'm just an unworthy servant and You know, I'm just trying to do the best I can, and if it's good, then God was in it, and praise God that He helped me. Because I'm not a good orator, I'm not a good speaker, but if it was good, then praise God. But I usually don't say all that because it's, it's, you know, it's hard to say, and and then people go, "Oh, you're so humble," and then you're like, "Ah, you know." Doesn't. So what do you do when you get praised? Always remind yourself it's God's grace god's grace praise god that's what i usually just say i say praise god just make keep it short you know uh because i didn't i received it from god it wasn't something that is of my own doing i I remember martin luther remember him great reformer and uh papal bull you know the 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 pope signs him off he's excommunicated from the from the church and you know it was the only church at the time, so he was excommunicated from the church. And uh, and in the letter it said um, uh, the, in in the in the papal bull it, it called the followers of Luther Lutherans. <laughs> and Luther was appalled, not that he was kicked out of the church, <laughs> he was appalled that the Pope called his followers Lutherans. And he said he said to the the, his followers don't call yourself lutherans but christians why should i a miserable bag of worms give my meaningless name to christ's children i love that somehow the lutherans forgot about that but anyways uh that was his attitude what a great attitude he just didn't want to have the glory given to him he wanted it all to go to christ So we need to keep this understanding that we are a bag of worms. Right? Bag of worms, you. (laughs) But we're also sons and daughters of the king. Right? And so we're a little schizophrenic in our personality. (laughs) But we need to remember where we came from and what we are unworthy. Even though Christ has made us worthy. Praise God. Amen? Praise God. He has made us worthy. But it's only through Christ um so biblical humility is fully consistent with our preciousness in god 's sight, with god 's purpose for you that you would bring glory to him, your exaltation through grace until that we 're all seated with Christ in the heavenly places. True Christianity really is attractive because we have we recognize this high state that we're in has been given to us. It's been given to us by grace. Dr. Frank Crane uh, defines humility uh, as, it is the wish to be great, but the dread of being called great. In other words, it's fine to desire to be great in God's kingdom, to, to do well for Christ to lead a Sunday school class excellently, to witness to your neighbors with, with uh, great ability. It's, it's important to think that way. But, but to hate, to despise people saying, oh, you're such a great witness for the Lord, or oh, was such a great teaching, and you're just like, ugh. That's not why I do it. Uh, he goes on, he says, uh, it is the wish to help but the dread of thanks it is the love of service but the distaste for rule it is the trying to be good and blushing when caught at it i love that definition it's a really good definition uh you know it's important to be happy as a second fiddle i think barnabas uh describes this really well i mean he didn't mind second place he, w- he was always with somebody. He was never sort of the lead guy. He took, took Paul under his wing. And then s- before you knew it, Paul was the leader of his team. He uh, John Mark under his wing. And before you knew it, John Mark was the leader of his team. Uh, he was a team player. In fact, Barnabas isn't his real name. His real name was Joseph but everybody called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was there encouraging everybody. He didn't mind playing second fiddle. He was not the first guy, but the second guy. He knew about harmony. He knew how to be a team player. And you know what, if we're all leaders, there's no followers and there's no teamwork. There has to be followers. There has to be people willing to follow someone else. Um, Barnabas risked his life to save Paul. Uh, An admirer of of, uh, Leon Bernstein, the famous orchestra conductor, he came to Leon one day and said, so, Mr. Bernstein, what is the most difficult instrument to play in the whole orchestra? Oh, and he responded instantly, oh, second fiddle. He says, i got tons of people who want to play first violin, but nobody wants to play second fiddle. Nobody wants to play second violin. They all want to be first. And nobody wants to play second flute, second uh, uh, French horn, sec- second anything. Why? Because everybody wants to be first. And if you don't have second violin, you're not going to have harmony. If you don't have second flute, you don't have harmony. got to have harmony. Now, I have to be honest. When I look at my own self, I don't like playing second fiddle either i really like being senior pastor much more than associate pastor i was associate pastor for six years it was great but i kind of like being senior pastor. It's, it's, i don't know nobody tells me what to do <laughs> it's hard to play second fiddle it's hard to not be the leader and you know the thing is we all want to be leaders Last week, I I told you about the opportunity to become the district superintendent. Then I could maybe be leader of all the pastors. That doesn't appeal to me that much, you know. But it's in our hearts that we always want to climb that success ladder and get to the top. And When we get to the top, we find out it's lonely there. And it's not what Christ wanted. In Christ's kingdom, the ladder is inverted. It's a downward V. And the people at the bottom... They're the most Christ-like because Christ gave himself as a sacrifice for every Christian. Christ served everybody. And Christ calls me as a pastor not to be the lead pastor, the senior pastor. No, to be the pastor who serves his, his flock, who looks after them, who brings them to water, who, who helps them be better, encourages them. That's my role. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever helps himself will be exalted. Matthew 23. Uh, This is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and lowly place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. (laughs) God reigns in the heavens, you know? But guess what? He also reigns in his humble servants. That's who he's with. He dwells there. He lives there. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. What an awesome God we serve. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken spirit and a contrite heart the Lord will not deny. Psalm 51, that's King David. Isaiah says, in Isaiah the Lord says, this is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Who is wise in understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. That's James. All through the Bible, and that could go on and on. There are so many passages challenging us, encouraging us to see ourselves as small. And the most powerful impetus, I think, of being humble is because God is humble. Did you know that God is humble? Sometimes we think of, well, no, he's worthy of our praise. He's great and exalted. Yes, but he knows how to humble himself as well. Jesus said plainly, I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus was meek and mild. He didn't declare himself. you know. He didn't come arriving from heaven with a whole train of angels in their glory and splendor and say, here I am. I'm the Lord of all the earth, the creator of the universe. Nope. He came as a little baby in a borrowed feeding trough, in a, in a paid-for room in a barn. Animals were his cohorts. He's the son of his mother who was a nobody. His father, a carpenter, thought of as his father at least. Kind of like, almost like an illegitimate child. This is how he starts. He starts running for his life. His parents take him to Egypt because they had to run for his, their lives. This is this is humility. This is God showing himself in his and his humbleness he had no power you know Jesus is often referred to as the lamb of God lambs are powerless lambs aren't too bright either we used to have lambs on the farm they would fall into ditches not be able to get out they'd, they'd do dumb things they'd get caught in things and they'd always have to be helped all the time that's what a lamb is it's meek in a lamb never chases anything around we had chickens and the dogs would chase the chickens and even the cats would chase birds but lambs they don't chase anything they're not leaders nobody follows them but he was the lamb and can you imagine this when when john the baptist is call, is baptizing him he's calling him the lamb of, behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and then a dove what's a dove symbol of symbol of peace the Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove. Oh, we have a lamb and a dove. Doesn't sound like leadership material to me. Meek and mild, yes. Leadership, no. <laughs> but he was the ruler of the universe. And he was meek and mild and he became humble for us. And so I, I want to bring your attention to Philippians chapter 2. And maybe you could look it up in your Bibles. Because we're about to take of this communion meal which celebrates the death of Jesus Christ. The one who humbled himself on our behalf. Who left the glories of heaven for us. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or or a vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. I don't know about you, but when somebody has a dumb idea, I find it hard to consider them better than myself. Because my ideas are better than theirs. And yet, the scripture says, consider others better than yourself. So next time somebody comes up with a dumb idea that you don't like, it's time to eat humble pie. And just sit back and go okay well i'm going to honor this person each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others Don't just look after your stuff care about other people your attitude should be the same as that of jesus christ so here's the bible saying you know what you should do the same as jesus because jesus although he was god he became he was humble and look what jesus it says who being in the very nature god so Jesus is God, right? He's got all authority in all of heaven and earth. And he's in heaven. And he decides to do what this next part says. He did not consider equality with God something to be hung on to. He didn't grab a hold of it. Oh, I am equal with God. I have authority over the whole universe. But no, he took on It says, He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. When's the last time you made yourself nothing when you had that attitude? Oh, I'm I'm a nobody. Don't listen to me. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. The eternal one dies. It doesn't even make sense. How can the eternal one die? He became obedient to death. But it wasn't just any old death. It wasn't just like, oh, he was in an accident and got killed. He wasn't all in it, he was in the army and someone chopped him down. No, they tortured him to death. It was a horrible death on the cross. When you partake of this communion, you're remembering that death. You're proclaiming that death. And you're saying, Jesus died for me. Jesus humbled himself and became my servant. He served me with his own flesh and blood for my salvation. What a thought! Our Lord and our Master served us in this way. It's like, I can't be low enough. I want to be a bug and crawl under the table. I don't want to partake in this. I don't want to partake of his flesh and blood. It freaks me out. And he calls us to do the same for other people, to be that lowly, that ready to humble ourselves, to give our lives up for other people oh, I'm not worthy to partake of this. I'm not worthy. Ah, yes, you are. If you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that He died in your stead, you are made worthy through Him. It's through Him. When we partake of this, we are partaking of His very nature. We're participating in the Godhead. We're acknowledging that we can only be humble through the power of Christ. It's an awesome thing. And it's really cool what happens. The next verse to this whole humility of Christ, the next verse, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This describes perfectly what our passage is talking about today, isn't it? The God says He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He did that whole thing. He gave grace to the the humble. And He lifted them up. And, and, And Christ, the one who humbled Himself the greatest, became the greater in all the universe, the greatest in all the universe praise god